Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. Jesus. I said Jesus. Jesus. All right, can you say this? Can you say this? Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's what I'm going to talk to you about today. About unbelief. Faith versus, faith versus fear. Did you put that, the first scripture up, brother? Matthew 13, 53 to 58. It says, Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there, And when he had come to his own country, let me just, let me just uh, say something here. Uh, he was at Peter's house, probably doing a Bible study with Peter's mother and his friends and his neighbors. So Jesus was doing a Bible study. When he left there, a thought must have come to him, and he went to the Sea of Galilee, which was not a long walk for Peter's, from Peter's house. So as he was there, he saw a bunch of people sitting around on the beach, so he asked Peter, he says, let me get in your boat, and I'm going to put out about 20, 30 yards or so, and uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to speak to these people some parables. So he spoke parables. Who knows how long he, he, he spoke there or how long he sat there, but he spoke parables. So that's where we pick up this story. He came back, and he says, now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables, that he's departed from there. And when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. So they were astonished. Astonished means they were, they, their jaw dropped. They say, gee, how could, how could, we don't know him like that. I mean, who, who could he be? He's an amazing person. But we, you know, this, he can't be the son of God. Ha ha, little unbelief there, right? He said, where did, this man get the, where did this man get this wisdom? And where did he get these mighty works? He was casting dispersion. They were casting dispersion on him. This can't be. This is the kid that uh, uh, he used to play with my son in mud puddles. And uh, when my son was in trouble and went to jail for stealing hubcaps, uh, he went over there and he, and he prayed for him. He was his friend. Jesus. Verse 55, so, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Verse 56, and his sisters, uh, aren't they uh, not all with us? Uh, where then did they get this? Did he get all these things? They're questioning the Son of God. 
but let's go on and find out why. So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. What does that mean? It means that he could have honor everywhere but in his own country, in his own home, in Nazareth. Why is that? Why is that? It's because they know him as a different person. They can't believe that you're born again. You mean he changed? He stopped drinking? He stopped uh, doing crack? I mean, talk to me about it. Can I say, there you go. It's crazy. But it's human, it's human nature. It happens today. It's as relevant then as it is relevant now. So a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. They even wanted to kill him. I mean, I watch a lot of gun smoke issues, but they don't kill over something that soft. You have to draw on them first. <laughs> so the Bible says that he did not do many works there because of their unbelief. And you know something? You can't do mighty works if there's people with unbelief. I, I recently uh, was asked to pray for somebody in the hospital, a young lady. Uh, and actually, she's the niece of mine. Uh, she was in Bedford. Uh, they asked me to come down and pray for her. And there were about six or seven women in the hospital room. And uh, when I walked in a room, I, I, I feel that I was moving under the presence of the Holy Spirit. When I walked into the room, I felt a presence there of unbelief. And uh, I believe that a couple of people took offense at it because they didn't know my Jesus like I know my Jesus. Maybe they did, but I, I wasn't even questioning it. <clears throat> and I asked them, I said, if you were in this room and I'm going to be praying for this young lady and you don't believe you're going to have to leave the room. And I wanted to clear the air. You know, you have, sometimes we have to chase the devil out of our house. You know, we have to do that. And so you need a boldness. Every one of us in here should have that same boldness. Now, the only, I wasn't always bold, but I'm bold now because, you know, I don't have any many years left. <laughs> And I say, I'm going to do this. So you're going to hate me for the rest of my life? That's not going to be very long. <laughs> Praise God. But let me tell you something. It's God's order that if you pray for someone, you have to pray believing. You have to believe. Sometimes I even ask, when a person asks me for prayer, I even ask them, I say, do you believe that God can heal you? If they say no, I don't even pray for them. That's a foregone conclusion. Why am I praying if they don't believe? So belief is very important. Uh, so to continue this, uh, they wouldn't even bring the sick people to him, even, although they knew that he could heal them. But they didn't even bring the sick, sick people to them. See, God doesn't look at your circumstances he looks at your faith. That's what's important. And it's faith over fear. Let's look at it from another perspective. I call this part belief. 
David believed that God was able to slay Goliath. A little freckle-headed, I mean, a red-headed freckle-faced kid with a slingshot killed a Goliath. It's a little bit tough to believe, but God is able. All things are possible with God to those that believe, right? Martha believed God and her brother Lazarus was raised from the dead. What did it take? Lazarus, come forth. Jeez. You think these mummy movies that are coming out now is anything new? Lazarus, come out of this grave with, uh, uh, what is that called? Uh, grave clothes. Yeah, you know, gauze, bandages. Abraham believed God and became the father of a great nation. And he became the father of many nations. So what do you think Abraham's attitude was? Hey, Sarah, you're looking fine today. <laughs> How about a lame man believed God that he was able to walk? He was at the pool of Siloam. And Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. He started walking. This is belief. He believed. He believed. You know, there's another story in the Bible where Peter was on his way to the temple. And there was a man crippled from birth. He was 35 years old. And he sat at the temple gate. And uh, he was begging for alms. And Peter and John, they, you know, they were going into the temple. They, they didn't have any money. Just like us today. <laughs> and uh, he said to the poor man, or the beggar man, he said, uh, he said, silver and gold have I none. He said, but such as I have, something that was in here, and something that was in here, such as I have, I give unto you. He took his hand and lifted him up, and the man walked, and he leaped up the stairs. He started walking after 35 years. This is belief, belief. There was a centurion with great faith. He believed God, and his servant was made well again. Jesus even said, I have never seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. And between you and me, he was Italian. He was a centurion. So. Cornelius was an Italian. I don't know if this was Cornelius or not. But they were in the same army. <laughs> There's a story in Numbers about a sick and weakening people that uh, they looked at a brass serpent. Moses had fashioned a brass serpent. And God told him, he says, as your people look on this serpent, they will be healed of all their sicknesses. Just have to look with your eyes. Some of these things, we don't see this today. But you know why we don't see it? Because there's unbelief in our camp. There's unbelief. None of us will admit it, including me. I like to believe, you know, that's that mask I'm talking about. I like to believe everything from the index to the maps in the Bible. <laughs> 
Am I telling the truth, Pastor? I like to believe that. Some of these things are difficult to believe, and I grant you that. But God has given us something, and we'll talk about that. It's the first word in this message. It's called faith over fear. Okay? Now, I want to tell you about another woman. She had an issue of blood for 12 years. Her name was, a lot of people don't know this, but her name was Veronica. Veronica was the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. She had great faith. She actually was so strong in her faith. She had tried everything so that she would be healed, and nothing took place. But she was desperate. That's what we need. We need desperation, holy desperation. So what does she do? She gets on her hands and knees and crawls through the crowd and touches the hem of Jesus' garment. Why did she do that? One word is the answer. Faith. Faith. She believed that if she could touch even the hem of Jesus' garment, she would be healed. It's a great story in the Bible. And I use it all the time. I use it as an example for myself. Sometimes, uh, I, you know, I'll say to my wife, I'll have something that I have to do, and I have some difficulty in uh, uh, adjusting to it. And uh, my wife would say to me, where's your faith? She doesn't say it in those exact words. She says, if you don't believe, you don't eat. <laughs> no, just joke. <laughs> uh, we would so see no miracles. We would see no healings, no financial blessings, no healed marriages, no warnings by the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a history book, so we remember from the Old Testament what the New Testament is for and about. You know, in the government today, there are, there's a faction that wants to eliminate history books. That's the worst thing we could do. We don't learn from today. We learn from the past, and the past is the history. The Old Testament is the history of the Bible. I tell you what, turn to uh, John 20 uh, if, in your Bibles. John 20, 20 uh, 29. Jesus got into a room with Thomas was sitting. And he said to Thomas, he said, reach your fingers here and look at my hands and, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. It's in red. <laughs> and then Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, my God. A realization came to this man. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Has anybody in this room seen Jesus? I mean, physically, where you could touch him and feel the holes in his hands. I don't know anybody alive today that has done that. But let me tell you something. If you believe without putting your fingers in the scars, you are blessed. By the way, I just read that to you. Blessed are those that have not seen and believe. 
that's where we're at today. You know, I, when I first got, uh, well, let me tell you, my late wife first got saved the three and a half years before me. Most of you in here know, know her. Most of the old crowd has been here. And uh, she, said to, she always said to me, you have to understand that is, it's my faith. I don't have to see. And I said to her, well, look, how can I love somebody who I can't see? How can I love someone I can't see? Well, we can't see. I, let me give you an example. I, we were just at a meeting. I was at a meeting with Kathy, and one of the pastors preached on windmills. He, he was preaching on windmills. I thought it was a great uh, point that he made. There's a wind. You ever see these, uh, uh, what do they call them, uh, wind farms? You ever see these places, there's like hundreds of, of uh, windmills? You see that, Michael? Okay. I see you nodding, so that's a good thing. Your neck must be doing better, isn't it? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Anyway, we don't see the wind, but it's powering these giant propellers. Right? You don't see the wind, but we're reaping the benefit of that wind turning that propeller. And guess what? It's producing electricity. You can't see. I feel I've felt electricity. But I've never seen it. Yet we use it. So here, here's a picture of the wind blowing this propeller, which is doing what? It's producing electricity, none of which we have seen. We see the results. That's why we see the results of God's word in our lives today. In 1969, the Mets won a baseball game, a series, I'm sorry, a, a, the pennant, and then they won uh, the World Series, 1969. They had adopted, it was the first uh, series that they won, World Series that they won, since I think somewhere around 1919. It's been a long time. I was an old Brooklyn Dodgers fan. You, do you know, I, I'll tell you how old I am. I watched Jackie Robinson play his first game in the Brooklyn Dodgers. But that's not unusual for a guy my age. I was also at Woodstock, believe it or not. So, long story short, uh, they adopted this logo, you gotta believe, or only believe, they used both. And they've been winning pennants and World Series ever since. I think they won one two years ago. Not sure, I don't follow baseball any longer. I follow Jesus, <laughs> praise God. Uh, I, I wanna tell you another story about um, one of the giants of of uh, Christianity, R.W. Schambach. Have, has anybody heard of R.W. Schambach? Okay, most of you know him. Here's a man that used to travel around the country putting up a tent that'll seat 10,000 people. And he would preach. Well, he was preaching, we don't know exactly where it was. It was probably in New Jersey or New York area. And he preached on the parting of the Red Sea about Moses leading his people away from Pharaoh and across the Red Sea. And he went on to say, 
He said, and Jesus, he, uh, not Jesus, he said, God parted the Red Sea for me, and on dry land, a million people went through and left Egypt. Well, after the message was over, a little short little rabbi, he may have been descended from David, for all we know, a little short rabbi comes up to him and he says, uh, R.W., he says, you are in error. And R.W. said, what do you mean I'm in error? He said, well, you said that the, uh, the people uh, crossed the Red Sea on dry land, that God had parted the sea and it was dry. He says, I have it on good authority. He says, that's not true. There was three inches of water on the floor of the Red Sea. And Shambach said, well, that's an even bigger miracle. And the rabbi said, what do you mean it's a bigger miracle? He says, 3,000 Egyptians with their horses and chariots, they drowned in three inches of water. It's all about belief and unbelief. Only believe. Only believe. Let's say it together. Only believe. Only believe. Amen. Okay, let me do this for you. I want to bring this down to a reality, something that you probably have not seen, uh, but I don't want you to get religious on me, okay? I asked God if I'd be able to do this, and he told me yes. Now, just don't get shocked, okay? Don't get shocked. Do I have everybody's attention? Okay. Let's look in our Bible to see what we don't believe, and let's see how that affects us, okay? Okay. Uh, you mean to tell me that God created everything that we see in seven days? Jeez, do you believe that? I don't believe it. Let's throw it out of the Bible. Don't get shocked. You guys are looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate. How about this? Three million Jews lost for almost 12 years. An 11-day journey took 40 years. You don't believe that. That's hard to believe. Isn't that hard to believe? 11 days, it took 40 years? Jeez. I'm telling you. Let's look into the Bible here. We got some other stuff. Actually, the Bible speaks about the people didn't have faith in Moses. Let's get rid of that. You mean to tell me Moses, one man, led millions of people across the desert? There was a, a pillar of fire at night and a cloud during the day? Jeez, I, I find that kind of hard to believe. How about quail from heaven because they got sick of the manna. Manna is what is it? My wife does that sometimes now when I cook. <laughs> what is it? They couldn't stand it any longer, but I want to tell you, <laughs> I find it hard to believe. You know, there's another short, short story in the Bible I want to tell you about. Uh, now, I don't know if I believe this. I'm just saying that. 
Joshua was a very successful uh, leader of the Jewish people after Moses passed. And they, we, know the old, we, we know the story about uh, he, fell, uh, he fought the battle of Jericho. Joshua, there's a song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho. Okay. Success. It was wonderful. That's another thing that's hard to believe. But, you know, I want to tell you something. They proved many years ago that the walls of Jericho in archaeology, that's an Italian word, by the way, archaeology, uh, they found that the walls went straight down. They didn't collapse like any other wall. They went straight down. That was the end of the wall. Well, shortly after that, they were going to go take over a, a, a city called Ai. It's in your Bible. And God told them, I want you to take men and send them to Ai and defeat them. It's easy to overtake this city. Well, they said, well, look, it's such a small city. Joshua only sent, he sent 3,000 troops. He had about 60,000 but he sent only 3,000. He says, let the men rest. Just use 3,000 men. We'll go there and take over the city. It'll be, like they say in Italy, forget about it. So, so what does he do? He goes, he sends 3,000 men. Well, of the 3,000 men, 36 were killed. And the rest of them came back. They were fearing the people of Ai. They couldn't stand it. And why did that happen? And the Lord told Joshua, you have sin in the camp. It's affecting everybody. It's affecting everybody. He said, well, let's see. He says, do we have people living together? Nah, no. Do we have thieves? Do we have people that do drugs? Do we have any of this? What's going on? What, what you know, why did we lose this battle? And God told Joshua, interview your people. And I'm not going to go into the whole story, but he went through everybody. Finally, he came to Achan. You may know the story of Achan. He stole some silverware. He stole some silverware. He hid it in his tent. Joshua found out. Joshua went to the Lord. He says, what, what do I do about this? He's, he's, he's one of my leaders. See, it can happen to anybody. One of my leaders. He says, I want you to kill him. That's kind of harsh. I want you to kill his wife. I want you to kill his kids. I want you to kill all his relatives that are here in the camp. I want you to kill his mule, his donkey, all of his livestock, his sheep, his goats, his cattle, whatever he has. Kill it, every one of them. That sounds like God. He's done that before. They even kid, uh, killed uh, his son's pet gerbil. He said, kill everything. Why is that? Achan did not believe that God saw him. God sees you. I can't express that enough. What you do in secret, God sees. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. And we're all guilty of doing things behind somebody's back that we think no one knows. 
Let me tell you, sometimes I can read your mail. Am I in trouble, brother? Better get a little small ladder ready in case I got to dig myself out of this hole. Okay. A slingshot killed Goliath. I don't know about that. A slingshot. Huh. They don't believe that. That can't be. You see where I'm going with this? How about this story? Saul was in the cave of Adullam. He had to relieve himself. Don't get religious on me. He had to go pee. And while he was there, David cut the corner of his garment. He clipped it off with a knife. Saul never knew it. But I believe it. But there's a lot of people that don't. So let's, let's see. That story is right about here. Let's get rid of that. Jeez. Lord, are you sure I'm supposed to do this? Okay. I tell you, I think we got one more here in the Old Testament that's really hard to believe. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Jonah. How many believe Jonah was swallowed by a large fish? I don't see every hand. <laughs> I tell you, personally, this is one thing that I'm going to have to talk to the Lord about. Lord, would you explain to me what kind of fish that was? It wasn't a whale because it says fish. A whale is a mammal. As a matter of fact, a whale's throat is probably about that big. It's not very big. But now a shark, that's different. His throat could be that big. But sharks have teeth. How did Jonah get past the teeth to get into the belly? Tough, tough question. I'm going to ask. I try to rationalize it, you know. You know, I, I used to own a fishing and a sports shop in New York. <laughs> I knew a little bit about fishing. I don't think there's anything with a throat that's big, that big. But it said that God prepared a fish. God prepared it. God can do anything. We just spoke about that. But anyway, right now, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Let's see. We're in the New Testament now. This is interesting. Uh, there was a man in the New Testament. His name was John. He lived in the woods, kind of like some of the homeless folks that we know here. I used to work with those homeless folks, by the way. I, I love them. They're, they're good people, most of them. I mean, there's a couple of clunkers in there, but uh, I love them very much. Several, several of them got saved after I prayed with them. It's a good feeling, you know, it's a good feeling. But John the Baptist ate locusts and honey. Jeez, I wonder if they were deep fried or... <laughs> I, do you think, Rob, do you think you can eat a locust? I don't think so either. I'll tell you what, let's just get rid of that. I, I find that hard to believe. 
Let, let's see what else we got here. Oh, this is a story I've got to tell you. Uh, I've shared it before. Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on water. Got out of the boat, walked on water. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm going to talk to you a couple minutes. He got out of the boat and walked on water. When I first got saved, my pastor, some of you know him here, Jean-Marie, my pastor talked about faith. You know when you first got saved? I mean, if God told you to walk upside down on the ceiling, you could do it. You know, when you, your faith is so strong and so fresh, and all doubt is gone. All doubt is gone. Well, I went to a place called Lake Ronkonkoma. Some of you know where it is. And I went out there and I prayed a little bit. <laughs> took off my shoes and socks. Did I tell you the story already? <laughs> I took off my shoes and socks, rolled up my pants to my knees. <laughs> and I tried to walk on the water. I tried it for 15 minutes. So, being a new Christian, I said, Peter, can you help me? What's the trick? But the Lord answered me instead. He said, you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith to walk on the water. So I thought I did. I tried it again. But you know something? I don't have enough faith even till this day. But since that time, till this time today, my faith has grown. You know what I mean? There's several things that God has an ocean of. Faith is one. Mercy is another. And grace is the other. So I'm going to go to Lake Ronkakum, or am I going to go with a teaspoon to get some of that faith? Am I going to go with a little sand pail to get some of that faith? No, I'm going to go with a 55-gallon drum, maybe two or three, and grab some of that faith, because that faith is what's going to give me eternal life. That is the, the faith that's going to give me the miracles that I'm looking for. That is the faith that when I lay hands on people, they believe, I believe, God believes, and we all believe. Amen? So, Peter walked on water. Let's see where we're going. This Bible is getting awfully thin. See, some of this we don't believe. So why do we even have it in the Bible? Let's just throw it away. Here, this is another one. Do you know how far 650 yards is? I looked this up. Jesus carried a piece of the cross, 650 yards. That's three and a half football fields. But before that, he was whipped and punched. He was bleeding. He was hit with a, I don't know what they call it, a flaglum. Am I saying it right, Eldon? Flaglum, is it? It's a whip with pieces of bone. And what it does when you're whipped with it, it peels the skin off. It rips you off in ribbons. He was bleeding, weak from bleeding. 
There was a Simon the Cyrene had to actually help him with this. But let me tell you something. Years ago, in the, in the late 50s, I worked in a sawmill in Louisiana. The first job I had was stacking railroad ties. A railroad tie weighs about 700 pounds. And giving the benefit of the doubt, that's a nine-foot tie. Giving the benefit of the doubt, a six-foot tie, which may be the size of the, the part of the cross that Jesus carried, was probably 300 pounds. I personally, even in my prime, in my younger days, could not carry a 300-pound railroad tie 650 yards. Jesus did it, but he had help. But 650 yards, these are getting, this is getting very thin here. Praise God. Jairus had a daughter. Uh, she was dead. They even hired mourners to come to where she's lying in bed. You know, in those days, there was no funeral parlor. They were laid in state in the house. Jesus went over to her, and he says, rise up. She's not dead. She's just asleep. I find that hard to believe. Are you getting the picture here? How about this one? A sheet came down from heaven with animals in it. Come on, Peter. What are you smoking? <laughs> Paul bitten by a poisonous snake and he lived. He shook it off. Paul, this Bible's getting awfully thin. How about this one? If I don't speak in tongues, my spirit man doesn't pray. I can prove it. It's in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. The spirit man does not pray if you don't speak in tongues. But that doesn't mean you're not saved. It's just evidence. I have evidence. How many people in here, raise your hand, speak in tongues? Praise God. That's almost all of you. It is all of you. Praise God. It's a heavenly language. It's a heavenly language. There's a lot of people that don't believe in it. How about this one here? I'm almost done, folks. You awake? Abraham, the father of many nations. You, that's in Hebrews. Abraham, the father of many nations, 99 years old. He had a lot of faith. But let me tell you something about Abraham. He was a liar. Abraham was a liar. The Bible proves it. I don't know if I believe that. Now, this Bible got awfully thin. You know what? Maybe I won't even have a Bible. I don't need it. I don't believe almost all the stuff that's in it. You know, God help us if we live without the Word of God. God help us. These are all things that I pointed out to you that derail victorious living. You know, let me give you a thought, something to think about. If you don't believe 
that there is a God. After you die, you will believe. Think about that a minute. After you die, you will believe. He's going to ask you, uh, where do you want to go, smoking or non-smoking? He's going to judge us. It may not be the white throne judgment, but we will stand before the Lord one day and say, why didn't you believe it? Where is your faith? Can you believe? Mark 9 says, all things are possible to those that believe. Only believe. Romans 3 says, God can do a miracle without you, but it helps you, helps you, if you believe. Romans 11 says, God concluded that his mercy prevails and that mercy is not something that God has, but mercy is something that God is. Mercy is something that God is. Can you say it with me? Mercy is something that God is. Let that soak in. Mercy is something that God is. Paul went on to say, an evil heart has unbelief. Now, I'm going to tell you one last story. We're almost, this is my, only my second closing. Hold on. Am I going too long, brother? Three minutes? Keep going? Okay. Okay, here's, here's what I want to tell you about. There was a man who was a general, great general. He was like uh, President Eisenhower or General Eisenhower in this country back in the day. His name was Naaman. He was a general of the Syrian army. He was a direct, he answered directly to the king of Syria. That's not the Syria today, by the way. This Syria is in northern Africa, Syria. And he was struck with leprosy. And I'm not going to go into the whole story, but through a series of events, he was told to go see Elisha. It's a great story in the Bible. He went to see Elisha. So he goes to see Elisha, and as he says to him, he says, you know, I've been struck by this, uh, this disease, the leprosy, and... Uh, you know, I tell you, it really, it really bothers me. I'm afraid my fingers are going to fall off, and, uh, you know, I'm getting scabs all over my body and whatnot. Uh, so Elisha says, well, I'll tell you what, just uh, go to the Jordan. Jordan is a filthy river, by the way. Go to the Jordan. Jordan, by the way, means death, in case you didn't know that. He says, go to Jordan and dunk yourself seven times. And Naaman says, are you crazy? I, I want some hocus-pocus, a little abracadabra. I want to be healed. Just don't, don't give me this junk. Go dip seven times in the Jordan. Why can't I dunk in the river, at least where I live? It's, uh, the water's cleaner. We even drink the water. He said, look, just go and dunk in the Jordan seven times. <laughs> and you will be healed. He didn't believe it. So you see, even some things that you don't believe are possible. He dunked 
one time, twice, three times, four times. Carla, he dunked five times. Patty, he dunked six times. Eldon, guess what happened on the seventh time? He was healed. He came out of that water. His skin was like a baby. Let me continue. There's more to this story. He gets back on his chariot and his entourage. He brings a bunch of jewelry. Today, I read it. It was about, today's value would be about $3 million of gold and of woven gold into his garments and everything else. And he came back to Elijah's house and knocked on a door. Elijah, get over here. I'm going to talk to you. He says, I got a chariot full of great stuff for you. I just want to thank you. I can't give you enough thanks. You already did this miracle. Elijah says, I, I didn't do any miracle. The Lord did it. The Lord did the miracle. Why are you giving me credit? He says, I'm not going to take any of your stuff. Get out. Get out of here. So he gets back on his chariot. And when he gets back on his chariot, he starts to ride away. And then what happens after that? Somebody started running after him. Somebody by the name of Gehazi. You know who Gehazi was? Gehazi was Elisha's servant. A little bit of a devious character. Greedy. And he ran after the chariot. He heard the story at, the, at Elisha's front door. Being his servant, he was probably behind the door. Kind of a shady character. So what does he do? He runs after the chariot. And uh, Haman turns, uh, Naaman turns around and he says, uh, Hey, is there something wrong? Whoa. He says, No, sir, no. He says, uh, He's a liar first. He says, uh, We have a couple of prophets from uh, uh, the seminary school that just dropped into the house. He says, They could use some clothing. They can use some stuff. Uh, okay. Uh, well, wh what would you want? He said, well, uh, I'll take these four pieces of garments, and I'll, I'll take uh, some of this uh, gold and this brass and this copper and this silver, and uh, that, that should be good for them. So he comes back to the house with all of this in his arms. Elisha was in a different part of the house, didn't even see what was going on. I didn't say he didn't know. I said he didn't see. But Elisha knew what happened. Do you know what happened to Gehazi? He didn't believe that God saw him. And God told Elisha. He didn't believe that Gehazi was messed up. Well, Gehazi's skin from that day forward was gray from leprosy. And every generation after that had that same leprosy. It was a curse that Elisha had put on him because of his unbelief. Okay? Okay. I'm going to give you another short story. I'm sure you may have even heard this before. There was a man that walked a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And he had a crowd just, just uh, engrossed with his ability 
and his faith to believe that he can make from here to Niagara Falls and back. Have any of you have ever been to Niagara Falls? It's a pretty long way, 75 yards maybe across whatever river it was or whatever fall it was. And uh, he, he walked across with, the, with a wheelbarrow. No, I'm sorry. He walked across and then he walked back. He came back and he got a wheelbarrow. And he said to the crowd, he says, does any of you uh, believe that I can do this again? Everybody, yeah, we could, you can do this. You can do this. Yeah, you can do this. With a wheelbarrow, that would be even easier. You can do this. He said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'd like to have just one volunteer. Would you get in the wheelbarrow and let me try it with you? That's where we are today. You know, faith is okay for you, and it's okay for you. But, you know, listen, I'm, I'm going to back off a little bit. I, I don't, you know, I don't take those kind of chances. I love my life too much. But it's what you speak with your mouth. Okay. Do you know that God sanctified you when you were saved and you were given a measure of faith? That's that big body of water I said, either go with a spoon or go with a barrel. He gave you faith to believe of his mercy and his grace. And if you want proof, it's in Thessalonians 2, 2.13, I believe. Years ago, I preached a message or taught a message on faith. It was the formula for faith. The formula for faith is a measure of hope, a measure of patience. Boy, I tell you, I need patience, especially in the traffic. You know, when a college student's back, she just can't go anywhere without bumping a bumper sometimes. But hope plus patience equals faith. If you hope and you wait, patience, you will get what you want. It's that simple. It sounds like it's complicated. It's simple. It's only believe. Can you say, only believe? Only believe. Only believe. Okay. Now, uh, there's some seven points, Tegan, if you would put it up on a screen. Pastor Mike made seven points a few weeks ago. I took some notes, and I thought I would add this to this. Number one, when you were saved, you were renewed in your mind. Okay? Uh, you have to stop believing the lies of the enemy. The devil always lies, or the devil gives you half lies, half truths. Something like today's news today, depending on what channel you watch. So just because you, you got it, it doesn't mean it's a death sentence. Just because you got it, it doesn't mean it's a death sentence. What does that mean? Oh, the C word. Oh, now there's two C words, there's COVID and cancer, right? That doesn't mean you're going to die. It's not a death sentence. It's not a death sentence. It takes a little bit of faith to believe. You've got to believe for your healing. I'm reminded of the woman with the issue of blood, okay? Uh, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. The power that raised Jesus from the dead. Do you know how much power that is? The power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in us. It resides in you, Duran. 
Brother James, that power resides in you and Carol, your daughter. <laughs> Inside joke. Where am I? Uh, exercise your faith and believe God for your healing. I'm not sure if I'm following that properly. The power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in us right here today. Right here in Bloomington, Indiana. <laughs> it's possible. Number three, get rid of your toxic friends, the ones you used to smoke pot with, uh-oh, and the ones you fell into sin with. You know what I mean? You are a new creation in Christ. Shout out the doubt. Shout out the doubt. Number four, don't carry your, that hatred. Learn to forgive. It frees you. Don't carry the, the hatred in you. Don't carry that hatred you do. Believe that it is true. Believe that what I'm telling you is true. You know, when I was uh, raising my kids, uh, Carrie's kids and my, my own son, we always told them, if you don't have to use the word hate, don't use it. I, I personally, to me, it's like a cuss word. I don't like to use it. You can ask my wife, I very rarely use it. Very rarely, maybe never. But uh, I, hate is not of God to me. I mean, I know J Jesus hated some things, but for me, I can't hate anybody. You know, he is God. He could hate somebody if he wants to, but I can't. I just have a hard time. I don't want to hate anybody. I love everybody. I love Pastor Mike. I, Pastor Mike and I used to be prayer partners for years. We used to meet here at 5 o'clock in the morning before we all went to work. There was several of us. Some of them have passed away since. But we'd pray at 5 o'clock in the morning, pray for an hour. And I'll tell you, it was glorious times. And you know something? When I came back here a year ago, I see and saw the fruit of all of those prayers for all of that time, brother. Am I right? I want to tell you, we prayed over, we prayed over the carpet. We prayed over this pulpit. We prayed over every microphone every drumstick, every chair, every table, every instrument. We prayed over everything. We prayed over every seat. Touched it, each and every one. Name the person that sits in it. You know, that's easy in a Christian church, right? You know, hey, you're sitting in my seat, you know. Okay. Always be truthful, number five. Always be truthful. It's your responsibility to carry your own integrity. Your integrity is your identity. Your integrity is your identity. Charlie, you're getting this? Amen? Now, I want to tell you this. This is maybe a touchy subject. Get rid of what I call snake eggs. They may be under your mattress or hidden where you don't think someone can find them. Get rid of them. Snake eggs eventually hatch. And guess what? You will get bitten. Clean your house. Clean the temple of the Holy Spirit. One word covers that. It's called repent. 
Repent. Am I waking you up? Repent. I'm not doing this. God is telling me to do this. I want to tell you a short story. I counseled a young man many years ago. Some people in here may know who it is, but uh, he was a, we used to have a thing in our church called Acts 19. They dug a big hole out behind the church, and everybody brought out their rock and roll and rap albums, their liquor, their pornography. They took all the stuff that was keeping them from the riches that God has to offer them. And we dumped it in this hole. We all prayed about it. Believe it or not, our old pastor used to preach against TV. He used to call it the one-eyed Babylonian idiot. It governs us, that TV. I mean, I watch TV. I, I'm not against it. But it can affect some people, you know. And how it can affect you in a positive way is as soon as they start cussing or you're seeing some scenes that you have already made a covenant with your eyes not to see, you've changed the channel or fast-forwarded or, or turned it off. That's what we've got to do. We, our eyes don't want to be laid on sin. But let me talk about this guy. He got rid of everything that he had, including, I believe, a small TV in his bedroom. He got rid of his computer. Anybody see the movie Fireproof? Okay, got rid of his computer too. <clears throat> About a year later, after this, he was looking for some socks in one of his dresser drawers, and he noticed there were some seeds there from where he used to keep his stash. There were some seeds laying in the crack of the drawer. This is a year after he was saved. He says, geez, I wonder if uh, this will grow. He went and got himself a glass. He put some dirt in it, a little water, and he had three or four seeds is all it was. I call them snake eggs. He put those seeds in that dirt. A couple of months later, he was proud of uh, what he was seeing growing. He called her Mary Jane. They're snake eggs. The next thing you know, he was inundated with seven more demons. I don't have to touch the subject. It is harmful. It's a gateway thing. You know, oh, it can't harm me. Well, maybe not now, but one day it will. And you're the last one to realize that your memory is going. Because that's how it affects you. I mean, I don't have any medical proof of that. I just know people that were into it. And uh, I know that some of their memories are not all there. So I just ask you, if you have any snake eggs in your house, get rid of them. Have an Acts 19 and get rid of everything. Number seven. God wants to talk to you about your relationship with him. He wants you to be intimate with him. He wants your head on his bosom. 
He wants you to hear his heartbeat. And he wants you to get in a rhythm with it. Now, let me just bring this to where you're at. We all had a dad or a mom when we were kids. Didn't it fascinate you to put your ear to their chest and you can hear the heartbeat? That's what God wants from us. He, he's calling us to put our head on his bosom. Do you know why? He loves you. He's your daddy. He wants to draw you closer to him. He loves you. He doesn't want you in sin. He wants to believe you. He wants you to believe him. He's here, and he's here for everyone. He's here for everyone. 